century Doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it, screams from the haters Got a nice ring to it I guess any superhero need his theme music Go one minute to have all that power The clock's ticking, I just count the hours Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the What's going on, everybody? This is the Feed to Embiid, and I, I am your host, Austin Krell. The Sixers are playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves, after a game against the New York Knicks, um, the, the, the Sixers won by three against the Knicks, obviously on the road in MSG, after two disappointing losses, one to Atlanta and one to Washington. They came back to Philadelphia to, to play the Minnesota Timberwolves. This this game tonight capped a stretch of very, or began a stretch of more difficult opponents, we could say. Timberwolves are 21 and 22 on this season coming into this game tonight. Not a good road team, though. It was the return of Dario Saric and Robert Covington, and I guess a less... Oh, a less notable sixer, but Jared Bayless back in Philadelphia for the first time since being traded from the Sixers. Jimmy Butler was obviously very into the idea of sort of kicking it to his own team, his, his old team, I should say, and right out of the gate, it was pretty obvious. First quarter, Sixers came out running. Wilson Chandler made a couple of threes early in the corner. Early in the quarter, I should say, to to sort of open uh, to get things going from the perimeter. Um, my first thoughts of the first quarter were: you have a rookie out there in Josh Koji, and there's no Covington; he's out with an injury. You have Wiggins out there. You have T. You have a Koji. You have Taj Gibson. You have Carl Anthony Towns. Of that starting five, Koji is the most inexperienced of all. Not an NBA body yet. Still has to beef up a little bit. First possession of the game, he he is called for a foul, trying to defend the screen at, uh, on Jimmy Butler. He was trying he was trying to get over the screen. Got, fouled, got called for a foul because he was he was getting too physical, trying to keep up with with Butler. And it occurred to me, why not go after him all the time? You can get Butler easy looks. You can get him in isolations. You can get him in pick and rolls. But why not put Okoji in screens all game, all quarter long, get him into foul trouble early, get yourself to the free throw line early, and at, right out of the gate, put a strain on the Timberwolves, make them go to their bench, make them use their depth. Um, another observation of the first quarter was that Ben Simmons, and this might this is breaking news, uh, Ben Simmons tends to get in trouble when he tries to do fancy things, and again. Uh, breaking news story here: the, the he was he was on fast break a couple possessions in the first quarter. He, d- he has this new move he likes to do where he goes behind the back with, after a dribble and fires it to it to an open teammate cutting. This time it bit him in the butt. He turned it over. He got stripped, turned it over, and it just sort of occurred to me: part of Ben growing up and becoming and taking the next step and becoming a more mature player. That's going to look like him not making the flashy pass. But making the simple pass, just finding the cutter, hitting the hitting the shooter, hitting a guy off of a pin down, 
You know, that those are all the different things that you have to do, and you know it's it's flashy, looks nice, but does it really matter how the how the fat how the pass looks? Your goal is to get the ball in the bucket. It might show up on Sports Center, but if you lose the game by one or two points and that's a botched layup, well, it, what could have been? What could have been? Early in the first quarter, lots of Butler ISO situation situations. Jimmy, um, but however, Jimmy was not being as aggressive early on. He very passive, I thought, early on, finding shooters like Jonah Bolden, looking for Landry Shamit, looking for his, his big man on the trail, Embiid. He was being very passive. And maybe it was out of respect to his former teammates, Derek Rose, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, or, or what have you. Um, second, uh, for, for, another thing I noticed in the first quarter was Ben Simmons seems to have figured a, a slight advantage out as he defends bigger guys. That advantage being, well, the body's not there yet. The size might not always might might not get there. Who knows? So how can he defend these these fours and small ball fives? Well, very quick hands, Ben Simmons has. Very quick player, Ben Simmons is. One thing he can, and you can, you can sort of correlate a lack of. I don't, I don't, I know maybe it's faded a little bit in this NBA because of the stretchability of fours and fives, but typically bigger players are not always that coordinated, not great ball handlers. Ben can defend the position by simply stripping the ball. Now, you have to time it right as to not foul on the reach-in, time it right to not get beat, but a couple plays tonight, early in the game, he was able to have an effect on a switch on a four or on a five. He was able to, he was able to, to sort of force turnover by letting them, letting them pivot into a, into a face-up position to finish and then stripping them as soon as they faced up. Took them off guard, able to create fast-break opportunities, and it occurred to me that that was a really interesting tactic that Ben was using, trying to get the strips in the post. Sixers were up by 13 going into the second quarter. Second quarter, it was I was really impressed with the way that the Sixers are putting everyone in Minnesota. Everyone on the team and, and, and their and their mother, their wives, their child, their children, everyone was going in the pick and roll. And not just with Jimmy Butler, but they were picking rolls for Ben Simmons for the oop. There are pick and rolls with Landry Shamit for a mid-range jumper. Pick and rolls for Embiid. Pick and rolls for 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 Butler. For Redick, you want to pick and roll. You get a pick and roll. You get a pick and roll. Everyone got a pick and roll. It was it was it was great. It was beautiful to see. Um, and really, what it did was it opened up the offensive floor for the Sixers. It really allowed them to diversify the looks that they were giving. Create new sets that other than the dribble handoff, and they still use dribble handoff for JJ Redick. He wasn't quite as as effective as he's usual as he's been of late. But he was, he was, it was just a variation of, of different things that they had. There was some dribble handoff. There was some uh, fake dribble handoff. There was a lot of pick and roll. And it really worked for the Sixers and allowed them to open things up in the first quarter. Or in the first half, I should say. Um, another thing that occurred to me in this game was... Early on, early on, the Sixers were blowing them out. And it wasn't even close. 
They led by, I believe, 16. No, I think they led by 20 plus at halftime. It was over 20 point lead at halftime. Um, the Sixers hung, I think, 86 points. 83 points, maybe, on Timberwolves in the first half, which is, by the way, absurd. I mean, kudos to the offense, but wow, that's really bad defense. I mean, that's awful, awful. Non-existent, in fact, defense. I mean, wow. 83 points in 24 minutes is Warrior-esque. And this is not the Warriors, by the way. Not the same boat. There's not. Not this year. And... 83 is, is pretty pretty impressive for this team. And it's impressive by the offense. It's great by the offense. It's a testament to how bad the Wolves' defense is. And they, they got to really get in the lab and figure that one out soon. Because that is ugly. Um, and, and, and the other side of the court. Now, part of why the Sixers scored so much. Part of why the Sixers scored so much. Was that it was the first time that it really felt to me like they were gelling together and they were gelling together really well. They were making the extra pass every possession. Your eyes were you, you were you were getting the, you were getting a headache. Well, your your head turning four different directions. JJ uh, Redick is pump pump faking, finding Wilson Chandler, kicking it to him for for for, for a three. He now he's faking it. He's passing it to Redick. Redick to to uh, to Mescala. Mescala to to, to TJ. He, you know, a thousand different players touching the ball every play. It was beautiful to watch. It pulled the defense of the Wolves out of position. And by the way, they're a young team. I don't know that they're in great shape, any of them, really. They don't defend well at all to begin with. So you get them down in the, you, know, you get them down early, you punch them in the mouth, and then you're forcing them out of position, and you're exhausting them. And you're able to blow this game wide open in the first half. I mean, wide open. And a lot of it is thanks to the offensive cohesion that really came together tonight. Everyone was making shots. I think everyone who played scored. Um, but that was that was thanks to that was thanks to the extra passes being made. I mean. One after another, just unselfish play after unselfish play. And it's it's the way that offense should be played in the NBA, quite frankly. You'd you like to see some 30-point scorers. you like to have a superstar on every team. But I think it's really fun when the games are high-scoring on both sides because you have a couple guys getting 30 on both teams. And then you have... Role players getting 15, 20, uh, a couple guys getting 10. And it's all because of high-volume shots created by extra looks. And Jimmy was Jimmy was taking part of it too. Ben Simmons, as usual, Embiid was finding guys. Face up in the post. He was able to, he was, he was able to draw a double team and find the open shooter before it was too late. And the Sixers, just, it was an onslaught in the very beginning. And it was thanks to the unselfishness of the overall roster. And I hope that this is a sign of things to come in this next stretch of very difficult next uh, 14 games or so. Very difficult stretch. I hope that this offensive cohesion is a sign of things to come. Because if it is, oh, they're going to put the whole league on for this.
they're going to put the whole league on notice because this team looked tough as nails tonight. And then again, one thing I'd like to talk about is that Ben Simmons is transforming into an all-NBA defender right before our eyes. I think his effort on both sides of the ball, his aggressiveness has just dramatically changed. I, I think there's no doubt that he's an all-star this year. I, I really, I really, if everything is an easy, easy, easy pick. But it wasn't always that way for Ben Simmons. There were times last year where he wasn't so great in the half-court set. He would give up open shots. He transformed into a, into a pretty serviceable defender by the time the season came to an end. You were pretty sure that when the season came to an end last year, that he would develop into a really good defender. But he has really blossomed into an elite defender, both in the perimeter and inside, too. Examples of that? Those are pretty easy to come by in this game. Doubling doubling near the half court. It it was a nightmare for the Timberwolves. Creating turnovers from guys like Tyus Jones, Derrick Rose, Jeff Teague, and just being at a trap and then tip passes or have the passes go, you know, have the float passes overhead and they're, they're pushed out and they're tipped out, intercepted by whoever, and then Ben Simmons is on a fast break. Steals, the, 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 uh, the, the strips in the, in the post. His, his cohesion on, de- on the defensive switches tonight. Perfect example of this was when Carl Towns and, uh, was, was, put, was a pick and pop. Ben switched with Joel onto Towns, and Joel, I think it was it must have, it might have been Teague, might have been Wiggins, I don't know who. Joel went with him, with whoever the ball handler was. He, he followed him to the cup, and Ben stayed out in the shooter. It was Towns. Towns made the three, but it was still a really good communication, and it looked natural, it looked fluid, and it looked like they, they, they saw it coming, they got it, and it was just, it was, it was easy. It was a really good sign of things. And the fast-break defense. The Sixers were really able to put a, a clamp on, on the Timberwolves tonight in the live, in live ball. as because they played in the two-on-one really well. They didn't commit to anybody exactly. They, they sort of made you make a decision, made you make a tough pass for an alley-oop. There were times when um, Jeff Teague made, made a bad pass to... Taj Gibson for an alley-oop, and he just like couldn't even get his hand on the ball. without out of bounds, turnover. Um, and it, Ben Simmons was just composed. He didn't foul. And he just played a really good two, um, two-on-one fast break game. And even if it wasn't two-on-one, he just he played it correctly, and he played it smart, and prevented the, the, the attack, prevented the open shooter, and it stalled the, the, the Wolves' offense in the open court. It was really, really good to see. The Sixers... Um, they were up 25, I think, going into the halftime break. They ultimately, they ultimately, um, they ultimately go up by as many as 42 in this game. They win this game by 42 points. 149 to 107. It's the most points a Sixers team has scored since 1990. 83 in the first half was a record for the Wells Fargo Center, and it was a record 
for the for, it was a record game total for the Sixers as well, which makes sense because that's just the trend of the game followed. I guess is what you, what you would say. They stomp the Wolves using a, 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 record, a franchise record twenty one made three pointers tonight. They played a good game defensively, only one hundred seven points allowed. Wolves missed a lot of shots at the rim. Credit to the Sixers for, for, for getting blocks, for playing without fouling, for just standing straight up, holding their ground, being disciplined, and making them miss shots. They, I mean, they and they missed countless shots at the rim. I was right there watching it at the game. Um, section 116, or 114, row 16. Uh, you know, they missed a, 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 a numerous, numerous shots at the rim. It was really... Crazy to see. Like you wouldn't think that NBA players would ever miss this many shots at the rim. And credit to the Sixers defense coming out strong. Only give 107 points to a, to a pretty talented roster, and then putting on a full show for the for the hometown audience. Um, 149 points is is no joke. Well, it is a joke for the defense, but it's it's. It's quite legitimate on offense. There's no, there, there's nothing to hide there. Uh, they scored 30 or more in every quarter. They had 43 in the first quarter, 40 in the second quarter, 32 in the third quarter. I think 32-ish in the fourth quarter. I forget the exact totals. Um, you can look that up online. So it's really just an all-around dominant, really just an all-around dominant performance by the Sixers tonight. So let's let's look at the road ahead. What does the road ahead look like for the Sixers? Fourteen, I think, I think it's twelve of the next thirteen, something like that, are against teams that are a playoff teams, b above five hundred, or c are two games out of an eighth seed in their respective conference. It's a tough road. That features Indiana coming up on Thursday, Oklahoma City coming up on Saturday. Um, you have Lakers twice. You have the Warriors twice. You have Houston. You have San Antonio, Sacramento, um, Denver. I mean, it, it is a brutal stretch for the Sixers. And then they, and they have Boston there, in there as well. And they have a, a road game against the Knicks to, to finish that season series up before they have the All-Star break. Um, and this will be a, a huge, huge, huge test for the Sixers. Can they finish this thing, this trip, above 500? Can they go into hostile territory and take a game away from a, from a contender? Not just in the East, but in the, the very, very, very competitive, ultra-talented West. So let's take a look at, at, at those games coming up. We look at where they are right now, and I would have hoped they, I would have hoped that they would have been 31 and 14 ideally coming into the stretch, but that, that's not that's not the case. That, that's not where they are. So, so it is what it is. Nothing you can do about that. So let's look at where they are. They're 29 and 16. I think they can go into Indiana and win. I do. 
Um, I think that they're not going to have, you know, keep in mind, there was no, um, there was no Jimmy Butler for the game that Indiana played in Philly that they won. Um, and that, that, you know, that, that made a difference for them. It was a huge difference. And I got to think that they'll be able to better, to be able to better defend Oladipo this time. And, you know, they should be able to at least stay competitive. I might not get a grab a win. I'm going to say they do grab a win because I think that they're a better team than Indiana. Um, but we shall see. Saturday, Oklahoma City in Philadelphia. I think that's a win, too. I think it's going to be a tough game because you have, it's not a great matchup in terms of individual matchups. Russell Westbrook's one of the best scoring guards in the league. Paul George is an MVP candidate this year. It isn't Boba for the Sixers' guards and because they usually get torched this year by guards. Ultimately, I don't think the Thunder have enough depth, you know, the Sixers, but I think that they have enough talent in their front five, six, seven to get it done in, on their home court, mind you, where they're darn good this year. They are, I think, 22-3, and 23-3 at home. Houston's going to be a tough game in Philly. Harden's been unbelievable. He's a shooting guard. I think that's a loss. It doesn't bode well for them. I, you know what? We'll call it a win. We'll call it a win. I'm not trying to be a homer here. I just don't trust that Houston is going to be able to defend everybody. They have no Clint Capella. Um, James Harden's really their, their only guy right now who's healthy. He might get his 30, 40, 50, but who else is he going to score for them? Who else is going to defend for them? He doesn't defend. So I, I I don't know how deep they are outside of their starting lineup. I think they can win against Houston at home, even though James Harden is the most potent scorer in the league right now, and the Sixers have a huge problem with letting guards beat them. San Antonio and Philly, Sixers win that one too. I, I, I do think that. I think that the Sixers are a better team than San Antonio overall. I think that they got they got real on, on a tough back-to-back in San Antonio. And I think overall they're a better team. And uh, I do think that they can definitely beat them with their strong home court advantage. So that's 4-0 on the on, on this stretch. Um, that moves them to 33-16. and 16. Move on to Denver. At Denver, Mile High City, altitude difference. Denver's been an elite defensive team this year. Um, Nikola Jokic is outstanding. They have very they have a lot of depth there. That's a loss. That's a loss. In Los Angeles to play the Lakers, no LeBron James. Easy win. Um, Golden State. They're in Golden State. It's a Thursday game on TNT, 10-30. Probably a loss. Which probably is. Sacramento. Teams are pretty good this year. They're, they're fast. They like to get up and down the court. They're young. Shoot it pretty well. One of the more fun teams in the league. Should be a good game. More talent, Sixers. More depth, Kings. I have no idea who wins that game. Probably the Sixers should, Sixers should probably win, but that's not how that goes. Toronto in Philly. Um, oh. 
say the Sixers. Really hard road trip, by the way. As you, really hard home stand, stand, as you can see, because Sixers has won every game pretty much so far. Um, Denver and Philly, that should be a win. I think the Sixers are the most dominant on court advantage in the league. And the record would show that, too. Lakers in Philly. LeBron's back, tough. Got LeBron, they got no shot. They're going to win that game easily. Boston. Boston's disappointing this year. Sixers have played them pretty played them pretty well on Christmas Day on the road in Boston. I'm going to say the Sixers win this game, too. The Sixers, if, if everything goes how I say it's going to go, Ten and two, on on this on this stretch, should be beautiful. I don't. I, I think I'm being a little bit wishful, a little bit homerous there, um, but I mean, listen, they have. I mean, they have the talent on paper. Embiid's the best big in the league. Ben Simmons is an all star. Butler's an all star. They have they have improved shooting. Their depth is an issue still, but we'll, but they've they brought in Corey Brewer today, who's a really nice um, veteran. Locker room, good, good veteran presence. He can also defend the wing pretty well. He can switch. He offers. He has a size and the athleticism to defend, defend multiple positions off the bench, and that is what they needed. The bench, the bench defense and scoring is really bad. Both the bench defense is severely, severely, severely lacking. And so they brought him in today. He can shoot it a little bit. Not a great shooter, but you know he, he can stick on. He can stick a shot. He can stick a three from time to time. I do like. His ability to switch on defense off the bench. That should help a little bit if they keep him around. He's on a 10-day contract. We'll see where that goes. But 10-2 and two is, at first glance, how I see this, this next stretch going. Because I think that the Sixers, on paper, are one of the most talented teams in the league. Their depth isn't great, but this game tonight was, was, was a good sign of things to come. Very, very inspira- inspiring. Very encouraging, and I'm excited to see what the road ahead looks like for them. Um, if they go 10 and 2, that puts them at um, 39 and 18, 21 games above 500, heading into the All Star break. That would be awesome for them. Well on their way to a 55 ish win season, maybe more. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll dive into that some more in the future when the time comes when you're really in the middle of the stretch or when, when we're reviewing the stretch and looking back on it. Sixers win the night, 149 to 107. They improved 29 and 16 on the season and 19 and four at home. Timberwolves 21 and 23, six and 16 away from their home arena in Minnesota. Again, Sixers win tonight, 149 to 107. They will be in Indiana to play those Pacers on Thursday. Tip-off is 7 o'clock. Game will be on national TV on ESPN. In fact, the Sixers' next four games are national televised, ESPN, ABC, ESPN. Um, And we'll be back with a post-game show after hopefully – a victory against the Pacers in Indiana. Thank you for tuning into the feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell. And do you like shotgunning beer? You want to increase your time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. 
King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It is also a tap puller, bend puncher, and all fits on the keychain. For more information on the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code CRYSTALCOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The P2 Embiid and its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution of the P2 Embiid without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the P2 Embiid 2018. Sixers winning tonight, 149-107, the 29-16 on the season. It will be in Indiana on Thursday to play the Pacers, 7 o'clock tip-off on TNT. We'll be back with the post-game show after that game, hopefully a victory for the Sixers. This has been the Feed to Embiid, and thank you for tuning in, everybody.